This episode of Mark My Words is sponsored by the Coatings Alliance, makers of C2 paint. When C2 President Tom Hill asked me my opinion of what would make a program for their super premium wood finish product, Guard, more attractive to dealers, I shared my view that dealers look for three things when they're considering putting new products in their stores. They want a low initial investment, they don't want to have to spend any money on equipment, and they want to know that if the program is not successful, that they can send the product back. And so that's exactly what C2 put together in their program for Guard. I only wish my daughter Buckwheat would listen as well. So if you're interested in hearing more about this program, you can do one of two things. You can go to c2dealer.com to read more, or you can email Tom Hill yourself and ask him any questions you have. That's th, the number four, at c2paint.com. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. I have a really interesting episode today. Dan Trottencheck is the chief operating officer of the uh, North American Hardware and Paint Association. Uh, the North American Paint and Hardware Association is the old trade association for the uh, independent hardware dealers. I uh, forget the former acronym, but, but recently, about a year ago, uh, they actually merged or acquired, I'm not sure, the details of the deal, the PDRA in uh, St. Louis. The PDRA, as you may recall, is the Paint and Decorating Retailers Association. They put out Paint and Decorating Retailer Magazine and, and provide other services as a trade organization for independent paint retailers. And, and if you followed me for a while, you know I, I've had issues with the representation that paint dealers have had in the industry. The PDRA uh, actually did a very good job, I felt, in their last few years. They had a new director in place the last few years who, who really brought some improvements. But the, but the truth is, even before she got there, they were in a really bad place. They were not providing much in the way of services. Membership was declining. Uh, there was not a compelling reason for independent uh, paint retailers to join their ranks. And at some point, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not involved in the intimacies of the organization. Uh, at some point they decided that they just couldn't go on and they brought on this merger, or like I said, acquisition with the uh, National Hardware Association, which is now the National Hardware and Paint Association. And I'm excited for paint dealers. This, this really creates, in my opinion, an opportunity for, for paint dealers to have some representation outside in the market. And there's lots of places where that representation could add value. Uh, when we speak to Dan in a little while, uh, he's going to share some of those. They're actually doing uh, some lobbying and, and other things that they're engaged with that the PDRA, primarily due to its size, and its small membership was, was just not able to accomplish uh, over the years. And so I'm excited. This is a really terrific opportunity. You know, there are about 300 or so dealers in the All Pro group, and there's probably another few hundred dealers around the United States and perhaps some other groups. There are some local groups uh, in California and other small buying groups around the country. But for the most part, independent paint retailers are a disparate bunch. And they do not have any sort of uh, representation that, that speaks for the whole group. And in the absence of a strong PDRA, 
which would have been our first choice, but uh, you, you know, it never worked out that way for paint dealers. And so in the absence of a strong PDRA, I am really excited uh, to see what uh, the, the National Hardware and, and Paint Association is, is able to do uh, in the name of paint dealers. And so let's give Dan a listen. I've known Dan for, for quite a while, probably, probably a decade or so. He's a really passionate uh, guy. He, he, they do a terrific job. Uh, with that organization. And, and so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that advocacy uh, spread onto paint dealers uh, can help paint dealers uh, uh, understand their place in the world, understand their own businesses, uh, advocate uh, for that place in the world in, in any way that the national organization can do it. So give Dan a listen, let me know what you think, like, subscribe. Thank you as always for following along. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. With me today on uh, this episode of the Mark My Words pod and vlogcast is uh, Dan Trottencheck. Uh, Dan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mark, and I appreciate it. You, you nailed my name, which is no easy task. How so about thank that? You. I, I actually wrote it down phonetically. And so Dan is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of, of the NHPA and paint retailers would uh, know them as the National American Hardware and Paint Association. They've recently merged uh, right. with what, what dealers would have remembered as the PDRA. Uh, so Dan, thanks for uh, joining me today. Let me start with a little introduction of, of you and your career. And then I'd like to spend a second talking about that merger because I think a lot of people are wondering what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Mark, thanks. You, you know, we've, we, we've, our paths have crossed a few times throughout the years at different shows and so on. And I, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on, on your podcast. I have, uh, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit broader exposure to uh, paint and decorating retailers, but on the hardware home improvement side, um, this is my 25th year with what was formerly NRHA. Right. which has undergone a few iterations since I've been there, uh, uh, you know, acronym wise, when I started NRHA was the National Retail Hardware Association. Then uh, about 10, 15 years after I joined, we, we expanded into Canada. So we became the North American Retail Hardware. And then most recently, uh, you know, now with this new uh, kind of position, we're the North American Hardware and Paint Association. So, um, so uh, for, for those of you who might not be as familiar with our organization, we have been around for 121 years. We are completely a not-for-profit organization. So we do not have any owners. We do not have any shareholders. Uh, we are actually governed by a board of retail store owners, um, which most recently now include uh, paint and decorating <laughs> retailers as well. And um, our sole function, our sole purpose has always been in our sim very simple mission statement is to help hardware stores, home centers, and lumber dealers, now paint and decorating retailers, run better and more profitable businesses. And, and we uh, do just about everything we can do to assist in that fashion. What we, what we kind of present ourselves as is we are the Switzerland of the industry. We don't care whose flag you fly. We don't care where you are geographically located or how big your operation is, as long as you're in North America. Um, uh, we are here to support you if you're an independent business owner operating in this space. And, and we do that in a variety of ways. We try and kind of bucket it out into three kind of principal ways. We try and help retailers. 
The first way, which we're probably best known for, is education. And we provide everything from kind of entry-level education for new employees all the way up to college-level strategic training for owners um, on things like acquisition strategy, uh, retail finance, all those kind of things. Um, the second bucket of what we do is advocacy, um, where we advocate for independent uh, retail business owners in this sphere that is not not as much as you would see on kind of the legislative front, although recently we've been getting very involved with the organization Small Business Rising and the efforts to level the playing field for independent operators against some of the big kind of monopolistic companies out there like Amazon. Good for um, you guys. Wow. Yeah, and and we've actually just recently made some strides. There's some there's some bills right now that are just past the House Judiciary Committee that we're hoping are are gonna are gonna move forward on the floor that'll that'll help uh, hopefully uh, help out small businesses. We also, as advocates, one of the ways we try and advocate is by giving independent retailers a voice, just even within the channel, because it's such a fragmented. Uh, industry, you know, with when you combine paint dealers and home improvement dealers, you're talking about 45,000 different businesses in, in the US and Canada, all of which are independently run. And so they That's need right. kind of a collective voice. And, and, and I hope we'll talk about some of that stuff later. But part of that voice is doing surveys and things like that to gather information so we can go back to the rest of the channel, the manufacturers, the uh, the distributors, the, the buying groups and say, this is what these retailers need to be successful. And then the last and probably most important kind of bucket of what we do is associate, association. So educate, advocate, associate. And that's just bringing retailers together to share best practices and ideas. And we do that in a bunch of ways. We have a number of uh, roundtables where we have retailers that that um, are are like minded in areas like human resources. We have a CEO roundtable. We have a, a, a information technology roundtable. Um, we have a finance roundtable where retailers just get together to share ideas and discuss problems. Um, and plus, we, we're we're at all major industry events. We have a presence, and uh, and we have our own conference uh, that we hold in conjunction with the National Hardware Show every year. And and so that's kind of that last bucket where we're really trying to bring independent retailers together to understand that their voices are very powerful when they get together. Well, I, listen, you are preaching to the choir. I'm <laughs> yeah. Doing, right. I mean, I've been I've been trying to gather the voice, at least as it relates to paint dealers. Uh, I've been trying to gather the, the voice of paint retailers since I got into the business. And, and in my experience, there's, there's power, there's value yeah. uh, to, to people standing close to other people with similar uh, circumstances. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, if, if you're all right with uh, transitioning out, because that's a sure. great explanation of yeah, what you absolutely. guys did. You, you guys recently... Uh, either acquired or merged, I, I wouldn't know technically what you did, uh, you either acquired or merged with uh, an organization that uh, paint dealers who are listening would remember yeah. as the PDRA, the Paint and Decorating Retailers Association. That is uh, Leanne Day's group who right. puts out the uh, Paint and Decorating Retailer magazine. Yeah, so, yeah, um, absolutely. Why don't you share a little bit about what happened there and, and what what you guys are hoping uh, comes from that for independent paint retailers specifically. 
Right. And, and, and on the, for, for those that are concerned about the business aspect of it, because we're not, we're both not for profits. It was somewhere kind of between a merger acquisition. It's a little bit different when you're, when you're a not for profit, because there's not like stock or shares or, or anything right. like that. Um, so, so basically what happened is PDRA had served the paint decorating side of the industry for, for, for quite a while. I mean, they had a rich history just like NRHA did. And as anybody knows, you know, kind of a, a, as, as things move along, um, you know, for, for associations particularly um, and not-for-profits, uh, you know, it's a difficult environment. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough world to kind of maintain relevance in, and it's a tough world to kind of, kind of continue operating in. Yep. And um, and we had had a really strong relationship. Our two our two associations were so allied throughout the years because we really had the same purposes. Just kind of one singing to the left half of the choir, one singing to the right half. Of the yeah, choir. You, you've got the same customer. They're just selling different products. Exactly. And and when we saw an opportunity to bring these two groups together, um, you, you know, for instance, uh, PDRA was doing a lot of great stuff, but their, their resource base was challenged and it was, it was a lot smaller. I mean, NRHA at that point in time, you know, we we had a little broader base, had a little bit broader set of offerings. You know, our, our staff size was about four times, if not bigger, kind of what PDRAs was. And, and so, uh, you you know, a while back we started discussions, we were working with both Leanne Day and Dan Simon, who I've known for better part of 25 years. Um, and and we were actually publishing the, the, the paint and decorating magazine for them for, for a number of years. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, and so it just kind of made a logical next step to kind of bring all of our assets together. And, and Leanne spoke to the board of directors at PDRA. We spoke to the board of directors at NRHA. And these, again, are all independent business owners. And, and we honestly kind of expected a little bit of, uh, I don't know, are there competitive issues? And both the boards were like, what a great idea. We're not fighting each other here. We can, we can all make uh, each other stronger. In fact, one of our board members used a great statement. He said, you know, we share 99.9% of the same DNA. That's right. And that last 0.1% is so, so, yeah. uh, you know, minuscule in the difference. We're small business owners, family businesses that are going out there every day competing really in this overall kind of home improvement uh, uh, landscape. We have the same issues dealing with employees, trying to figure out how to maximize our, our operations and run more efficiently. We have so much more we can learn from each other than trying to, you know, continue these dual paths. And so in relative short order, everything came together. And in fall of last year, we also had the the pandemic in the middle of all of that. So that kind of, uh, you know, uh, was uh, had to navigate through that. But in the fall of last year, we officially uh, came together uh, and formed the singular association of uh, North American Hardware and Paint Association. And, and from a technical standpoint, what we did was NRHA, expand, we changed our bylaws to include paint and decorating members. 
uh, we added seat, uh, um, uh, uh, we, we, or we reserved a seat on our board of directors that goes to, that, that will always make sure that it belongs to a, uh, a paint and decorating retailer. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, um, and so there's a lot of things we did and set forth and we carved out to say, this isn't, um, this is a change. I mean, this is a sea change for our organization in that, um, in that we've just brought, we don't now represent hardware stores, home centers, and lumber yards. It's also paint and decorating retailers. And so everything right. we have to do, the fabric of what we are changes. And you made a, you made a new friend. I, I know during our warm up, you said you were from Chicago and a Cubs fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Benjamin Moore CEO, uh, Dan Calkins, Dan Calkins uh, yeah. the other Dan from Chicago. Uh, uh, in the paint business, a huge Cubs fan as well. And so you got somebody to go home and go to Cubs games with now that yeah. you picked up a bunch of paint dealers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have had the opportunity over the past several years to interact with paint dealers. Uh, we had uh, one gentleman, a uh, very prominent paint dealer in the Chicagoland area who's been on our CEO roundtable for a while spoken at some of our events. Um, you, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak at things like all pro markets. And, and, and so uh, again, it was, it was kind of like this attraction of these two organizations pulling toward each other. And sooner or later, this was going to happen. And it finally did. And, and we couldn't be happier with the way we are, uh, where we are headed. So everybody, everybody out there who knows Leanne Day or, or Dan Simon, they're part of our organization now. And so uh, they're, you know, really fulfilling their same roles. Dan's out there uh, working uh, on the magazine side, uh, making sure we have sponsorships and so on. And Leanne is now in uh, HPA as our executive director and liaison to kind of the paint side of the industry. So, so she's kind of keeping us you know on track making connected sure that we still yeah, yeah make sure we stay connected and yeah. and to make sure that we learn and and learn not just we can't assume that while there is so much common dna we just can't assume that oh a paint retailer just needs what a hardware retailer needs so we have a lot of learning in that process too and we're so open to that learning and and i can only say that the paint retailers that we've worked with have just been so generous with their time and their thoughts and telling us, here's how you could better serve us. And we just want more of that. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, uh, for, for me, I'm thrilled as, as sort of an, an observer. Uh, you know, I have a relationship with Leanne a long time. I was happy with the work that they were doing, but I, I agree with you that uh, resources were limited and, and tiny organizations, uh, you know, they yeah. just don't have the ability to move and affect big markets. Uh, and this is a, you know, a, a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar segment, right. just the paint dealers. And so good for them, actually. I'm, I was very impressed uh, when I heard the whole thing. I was glad that you guys uh, stuck with uh, some of their staff that's been working in this industry for decades. I think that's great, but, but good for them for recognizing that a uh, uh, getting together, standing a little closer to a, basically a big brother yeah. uh, a sort of experience, another family member who just had a little more stature, really, I think, uh, is going to make a difference for, for paint dealers long term. And so I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Well, and, and that's certainly what we hope is that we can bring our resources to bear um, to provide some of those um, uh, uh, resources that, that, that the independent paint dealers need 
to better run their operations. And, and, you know, and that runs across, you know, those three kind of buckets of what we focus on. That's really in each one of those. And, and we want, we want paint retailers to, to realize, like we always say, have said to home improvement retailers. And as I started kind of the conversation, we're a not-for-profit. Um, I, I don't answer to shareholders. We answer to retailers. In our prep, we had, we had touched on one of the tools uh, that you guys have used for years in, in helping dealers understand their business uh, and succeed in, in a you know, challenging marketplace. And that is the cost of doing business study. Uh, right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, uh, what you guys have been up to, and then what changes uh, now that paint dealers are, are on board, what, what you're hoping to see from that? Yeah, thanks, Mark, for asking. Um, the, the cost of doing business study, um, we, we've been doing it as NRHA for, for uh, nearly 100 years. And, and it, it, for those on the kind of hardware side, it, it's really become it's a tool that everybody knows about. And it's a tool that everybody, honestly, whether they realize it or not, they are likely being um, uh, influenced by it in some way. And, and the reason I say that is what the cost of doing business study is, is it is basically allows you, um, it gathers financial information from real life retailers and aggregates that. And then we prepare this report, the cost of doing business study, that shows what the average retail operation by size and by type is doing across financial performance. Um, and so it's basically an aggregate of an income statement and a balance sheet for a hardware store, a home center, a lumber dealer, and now a paint and decorating store. And why this is valuable, whenever I talk about this, Mark, I always say, it's like if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, your blood pressure is 230 over 170. Unless you have some frame of reference, you don't know, is that good? Is that That's bad? Right. That's right. And so it's really the same when you're looking at the health of your business. That's right. If you say, you know, well, my, my, my net operating profit, my net profit before taxes you know, always bumps along about 1.8, 1.9% of sales. Is that good? Right. Is that bad? Right. Uh, you know, and, and all those numbers in between your top line sales and your net operating profit, those are the levers that you have to pull to, to make a difference on the bottom that's line. Right. That's right. But how do you know what levers you need to pull? Well, that's what the cost of doing business study does is because it shows you what an average store does. And then it shows you what a high profit store does. And remember, these are real numbers. These aren't numbers that NRHA and HPA analysts put together. These are numbers that are submitted to us. And so the cost of doing business study, which we're gathering information for right now, is a study that we ask retailers to submit to us their income statements and balance sheets and answer just a handful, really less than 10 um, kind of demographic questions about their business. And this is then anonymously, we, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. anonymous in a sense, Mark, that, that once those, that information comes into our office, it is assigned a number. And no one in our office un, uh, knows what business that is until right. the study is completed. And what you get for participating is you get access to all that information for free. There's yeah. no charge to you. 
And not only do you get that, but you get a customized report back that shows your business side by side with these industry aggregates. Now, if someone wants to call us and say, I didn't participate, I just want to buy the study, it's $500. Yeah. So just to participate in it, not only are you helping the industry, because obviously the richer the data, the, the, more, uh, the more full it is and the more accurate representation it is, um, but you're also getting basically this $500 value for nothing. And the information is only used in aggregate, never in, in the hundred years do we break out any individual store or operation. It's always these 300, you know, these 300 businesses representing 800 stores or whatever it is. So, so there's really no worry about someone um, saying, oh, I'll know what, what uh, Lipton Paint and Hardware is doing. That, that, that just doesn't happen. Right. And, you know, let me let me share my view to to the dealers watching and listening of the value of of this information. Uh, Dan, you and I have known each other a long time now. You, you know, I, I'm mostly my consulting is limited to the paint manufacturers. But when I was younger, I used to do a lot of consulting for paint sure. dealers, individual paint dealers. That's kind of how I got started uh, doing consulting. Uh, uh, when, when you take a look at a paint dealer and, and most of the time they're asking you for some sort of an assessment, uh, help in, in even help in growing their business, going from three to six stores, helping them with a business plan has some interaction with assessment of their current business. And, and so when, when I would come in almost in all cases, almost all cases, the first thing you do, uh, is take a look at five, six, eight, depending on the business, sort of top line numbers and compare them to what you know. And, and for uh, paint dealers uh, getting this, most of this information, unfortunately, I was only able to get from uh, Benjamin Moore and from other large dealers uh, that I knew. And so was able to access some of that information. But the value of this information, uh, paint dealers that are listening, to be able to compare your results to the results of others like you, it really uh, highlights in a very quick way in, a, in an hour's worth of, of couch reading, uh, comparing your business to the results of this business, you know, the results of this survey, you can really see where your uh, weaknesses are and, and where you need to put your efforts, making you a much more efficient retailer. So I'm a fan. I think what you guys are doing here is is dynamite. And, and so now you're looking for paint dealers to participate in yeah. that as well. Up until it, now, I guess it's just been hardware stores. Well, last year was the first year that we did gather paint dealer um, uh, submissions. And so we were able to include paint dealers in the report. But this year, our goal is to really get more involvement because, again, the richer, the more, the more uh, respondents we get, the, the richer that data is. And so, yes, we would love for more paint dealers. We literally get thousands of, of retail operations on the home improvement side, and we would love to get, uh, uh, you know, double, triple the number of paint uh, companies that participate. So, um, so let me try to help. I'll start with, do you have a, uh, a website that dealers can go to and, and I'll put it up on the screen right here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very simple. A lot of our stuff keys through the NHPA website. So they're going to want to go to your NHPA.org backslash CODB for cost of doing business. So it's your NHPA.org backslash CODB. 
and that will take them through. The only thing I say is the deadline is coming up. The yep. deadline was June 30th, but we have extended that to July 15th. But the other thing is, Mark, it's super easy. They can just take their income statement balance sheet, upload it through our secure site, and, and then just answer, like I said, a half a dozen demographic questions, um, and that's it. Then they are submitted. And, and then when the report is completed, which usually happens right around the October uh, time horizon, they will receive back their customized report with, with all of the information, but also their side-by-side -side comparisons of their operation with the rest of the industry. And, and just to underscore a couple of things that came out of the report last time is what we found, which is very typical when we look at businesses, for paint dealers, the average paint dealer saw a profit before taxes of 3.1% of sales. Which, which isn't bad. That's about on average with what you see at like a hardware store. Yep. But the high profit group, which is that the top quartile of performers was at 8.5%. So that you're talking- secret right there. That was my 30 year secret right there. Right. Was, I never shot for sales. Of course, I tried to grow my business, but, but my efforts were always keeping that 3% at 8%. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what, one thing that I've learned at looking at this is, there are some businesses that have half the top line sales where the owners are keeping more money in the operation or, or in their own pockets That's because right. they're running the operation more efficient, efficiently. That's you could right. have a ton of sales and go out of business if you're not having anything drop to the bottom line. To me, it was really very simple, right? If we were doing $2 million a year between the two stores, just to you know round some numbers off, right? For me to take a 30% margin and add another, you know, let's say $20,000, I'd have to go out and add $60,000 right. in sales, or I could just add a 10th of 1% to my uh, net bottom line or 1% or whatever was the math on my net bottom line. And boom, I made the exact same money with a fraction of the effort. Yeah. And, and so the difference between at $2 million, the difference between me at, at 8%, which is where I lived my life in that six to 8% range, me at, me at 8% and somebody else at, at 4%, the, the difference on $2 million is 80 grand a year. And that's every year for 30. Exactly. And, right? and that's and the difference between setting a business millions. up for longevity and, and right. scraping by. That's right. Um, that's the difference between being a millionaire and being and being just a, a small retailer. And I think, Mark, it's so important this year, probably more so than any other year. If you're, you're going to choose a year to participate, this is the year to do it, because as we all know, 2020 was such a bizarre year. Uh, you, you know, with 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 the, with the lockdowns and and then the surge in home improvement, surge. it was it was it, it's so important to kind of you know another thing we do is we we loosely serve as this kind of organization of record for the industry from a historical perspective, That's and it. the cost of doing business kind of helps us throughout the years establish that. And if you're a retailer that's trying to get your arms around what the heck happened to my business in 2020. What better way to do it than to look at what happened with all businesses in your industry in 2020 and be able to compare it? And, 
And I know I heard from a lot of retailers at the end of 2020, I don't know what the heck am I supposed to budget for in 2021? I don't know how, you know, it's, it's, and here's a tool that can help you kind of along that road to just get your arms around it, around the situation a little bit better and to compare yourselves with what everybody else did. And so listen, dealers that are listening, uh, uh, Dan gave the website a few minutes ago if if you're a big enough business, and I, I understand some of the smaller businesses out there, uh, paint and decorating stores, single store operations doing 800,000, a million dollars a year, this may be a lot of information for you guys to, to gather. But beyond that, if, if you're getting a regular P&L statement from your accountant on a quarterly basis, then you have all of this information uh, at your fingertips. You certainly yeah. know the demographics of your business. Take 10 minutes. And, and, and share this information with, uh, uh, with the NHPA because it really does uh, make a difference. And to your point, Dan, in, in this year, uh, one of the things that's hard to do when you uh, are, are looking to help dealers now is understand exactly what the market is because there's so much in flux right now because of a, sort of a bizarre economic circumstance caused by the coronavirus pandemic and, and yeah. extreme shortages. The more information that you guys have, the better it is, I feel, for the whole channel. So dealers, that's that's my appeal. If you're listening uh, and you would all give a shit what I think, take 10 minutes and, and, and go to this site and fill it out. It'll really help. And Mar, that's about what it should take is 10 minutes. And even if you're a small operation at the end of the year, your account, beginning of the new year, your accountant should give you, your bookkeeper should say, yep. here's your here's your kind of year end P&L. Yep. Dust those off you know, right. run them through the scanner and send right. them in. And, right. and, and that, right. that, that's about all it'll take you to get involved with this. Terrific. Dan, before we move on, what's sort of your last thought about the cost of doing business study? Mark, what I would say is, is that, you know, the clock is ticking, as I said on this. And so, so now just take that 10 minutes and go to your nhpa.org backslash CODB, take that 10 minutes up, upload your documents, and then you will get back in a couple of months, you'll be getting back a roadmap for how to improve your business. And, and what I always tell people is you don't have to attack it all at once, but once you get this roadmap, circle the two or three areas where you think you can make improvements on your business. And then, then you have a plan and you can say, I don't have to, you know, uh, deal with everything at once, but if I can focus on two or three areas, how I can improve my payroll expense, how I could lower my occupancy costs, how I could get my margin up a little bit, whatever those three things are, then you can figure out how to go from one of those 3.1% performers to an 8.5% performer. And, and as you said, that can make a lot of difference in the overall success of your business and, and success for you personally. Yep. That, and that is exactly the experience that I had. So uh, uh, well said, but I, I would actually talk about that uh, an entire uh, uh, episode, but unfortunately we have some other things that we want to get to. So we're, uh, I'm going to move us along. I, sure. I know that uh, since you guys uh, uh, executed the mer merger with the PDRA, uh, you've made some changes to the training modules that you make available. And, and I was always impressed with the training that, that you guys offered. And so I'm actually excited for paint dealers uh, to hear what, what you guys are doing now in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of one of the things that our organization on the home improvement side was really best known for is we put, 
we put tens of thousands of employees through our training modules uh, every year. And, and most of our training, while we, while we had paint training as part of that, because everybody knows that hardware stores, home centers, and lumber yards, paint is a big part of their business. Usually uh, one of their top selling uh, areas of the store. But what we also understood is, is although 99.9% .9 of our DNA may be similar, there's a, there are some differences around the edges. So we wanted to make sure, and one of the biggest things that we could have done was to understand that we need to learn where we are different and, and what we can do in other ways. So we started reaching out to different organizations and we had several uh, retailers, uh, paint and decorating retailers that were so generous with their time to offer to us, what are some of the things that we can do to develop training modules that are more specific to paint? retailers that, 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 you know, might have applications certainly on the hardware side, but what are our gaps, if you will, where are some of our training gaps? And, and while we will continue to discover these and continue to find areas where we can offer more to paint retailers, we really said, what, what are some of the low hanging fruit, if you will, that, that we really need to address? So we got our, um, our training team busy on putting together some more paint specific uh, training to complement what was already available through um, the, the Paint and Decorating Retailers Association. And all of those courses like the coding specialist and paint customer service specialist that were available through the PDRA are still available. We still offer those courses, but we wanted to look for ways to augment those. And so we have developed a, 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 a broader range of this paint specific training. For example, some of the training modules that we're adding to our offering, and these will be available late summer, early fall, are things like a module on selling color, where to just really understand the importance of how you sell color home fashions and services, things that really, you know, that didn't necessarily have as wide right. an application in the home improvement sector, but it's a big part right. of, of paint and decorating retailers businesses. Um, even things like merchandising and maintenance of the store on a paint side are, are different than they are right. on the home improvement side. So we developed these modules uh, that are much more paint specific. And we're going to be rolling out that suite of modules uh, in, and we're targeting late summer, early fall. So just be watching for those. And just another reason that- Where they, would dealers watch? That would be your website, I'm assuming. What's the web address? We'll get it right. on the screen. It's, it's, it's yournhpa.org, but also a great way is to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at your underscore NHPA. That's both our Twitter handle and our Instagram handle. And um, uh, our Facebook page is just your NHPA. And also in Paint and Decorating Retailer Magazine and Hardware, uh, Hardware Retailing Magazine, we're going to be talking about all this. But believe me, Mark, when this goes live, we're going to make sure everybody knows. We're going to push it out through the social media. We're going to push it out through the magazines. And, and so everybody will know. But what I wanted to, wanted to get across was that, was that we are actively listening. One of the other things we did after we joined uh, kind of forces um, is we established a paint dealer advisory group and Leanne kind of manages that advisory group that meets on a regular basis with about eight to 10, I think she has right now, 
paint and decorating retailers that give her input and say, hey, this is what we need. This is what, we, uh, what, what we're looking for. And so we're taking that feedback to continue to develop and modify programs as we move forward. This is just kind of our opening blast. And, and, and we're, we think it's pretty good to within one year of kind of this event happening that we've established this advisory council, that we're trying to ramp up cost of doing business, that we're unveiling very paint specific uh, training modules. Uh, you know, and, and we want paint retailers to get used to the idea that this is what they should expect, is that we need feedback from them so we can be responsive and reactive and say, listen, you are part of this family. You aren't the, the, the outliers who- yeah, yeah you you're not. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. Yeah. You know, you're not the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're, you're, you haven't been adopted. You're, you're a member of the family. Right. Now. Yeah, oh, you're a member adopted. of the family. You've been adopted. You're a member. Right. Of the family and, and so and so we want to know what you need, and then we're gonna fulfill those needs. And so um, let me ask you a question. Uh, the the trainings that you were talking about uh, already that you have are these for the dealers themselves or for the employees of the dealers? Well, Mark, they run the. They really run the gamut. Um, it, what, what we have ranges from like on the hardware side, we have, and, and paint, the, the paint category is part of this. Literally, we have, uh, uh, courses that teach someone what is the difference between a ball peen hammer and a claw hammer? What is the difference between, you know, uh, this kind of brush and this kind of brush? What, what right. kind of, what kind of uh, roller would you use for what project? So very kind of entry-level employee training. We have training on selling skills, but we're augmenting that with more paint-specific selling skills. Um, all, like I said, all the way up to, we have something called our Foundations of Leadership Program, which is really a, focused on how to be a better leader. And what we see on this is a lot of people who are new assistant managers or managers yeah. going through this course just to understand how do I communicate better? How do, how do I become a more efficient leader? All the way up to something called our retail management certification program, which is a six-month college-level program that we work with professors from Ball State University's Center for Entrepreneurship to teach this level that I, that I referred to earlier that is about everything from developing strategic plans for a business, understanding financial modeling and, 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 and building a business to grow, acquisition strategy, advanced leadership techniques, all those kind of things. So our training starts when you walk in the store as a new employee, all the way up to when you're, when you're running an operation. And so it's interesting, quick diversion. Uh, I had a conversation with a, a dealer yesterday, and this is a, a typical conversation that I'm having right now. Uh, and, and that is about the cost of employees, right? To, to get employees is, is hard to do. And to, uh, uh, to get them, people are having to pay more. And this dealer was expressing his concern. How do I justify yeah. uh, paying so much more? And, and so to me, my answer was, uh, one of the things you have to do is look for ways to get more from them. Certainly some of it is listen, you have to accept that this market requires that you pay more. And, and so there's nothing you can do about that. But, but other things like uh, uh, more advanced training so that your managers can be trained to take on some of your responsibilities, then even though you're paying them more than maybe you were thinking you were prepared to, at least you're getting value for that. It's not just you know money that's spent because of the uh, current market conditions. At least there's there's value here. And 
this sort of training is the type of way to generate that value. So good for you guys. Well, you know, and, and all things come together, Mark. And let me give you a, a, a real uh, um, uh, uh, example of, of what you just said. According to our cost of doing business study, the average paint and decorating retailer generates sales per employee of about $169,000 a year. Right. The high profit stores generate sales per employee of just over $200,000 a year. 325 was my best. There you go. Right. Absolutely. So what you said, now, if you're not participating in cost of doing business, you might not right. know that. That's right. You might not ever look at that number, but that's a really important number to look at. So if you looked at the employees you have and you say, well, I got to, I got to pay them. I don't know. Let's say now it's going to average about an $8,000 increase or something like that across my, my work, whatever it is. How do you justify that? Well, I had one retailer that said when he was fight and he was in an area of the country where minimum wage was coming up fast. And he said, Dan, I'll be honest with you. I don't care what I'm paying my employees as long as they are justifying, as long as I can look and saying, I'm that's getting right. the productivity out to justify that's, that. That's right. And so he said, I can't fight minimum wage going up. That's if it's right. going to happen, I got, but I got to figure out how to deal with it. That's right. So, so that's his right. answer was, I'm going to really look at how I can make my employees more productive. That's and right. part of that is training them to be more productive. Yeah. And, and uh, so it's, it's an investment. So, so yeah, oh, everything comes it. together. And, <laughs> and good, good for you guys. It sounds like you guys are, are making some really good strides reaching out. I know some of your training. I've, I've looked in on, checked in on some of your training. I know you guys were doing good work. And so good for you guys for transitioning. Really an important part of, of the uh, experience of being a dealer support group like you are a trade organization, basically. Good yeah. for you guys for working so hard to so quickly uh, expand that into paint after the merger. Uh, yeah. You guys are definitely should be commended for that. Well, thank you. It and, was one of our so, top priorities. Yeah, you could you could tell and, and you could tell from the other training that you guys are doing. And so uh, I know, Dan, we had uh, earlier uh, in this uh, episode, we had the address where some of this training is housed uh, up on the screen. Go take a look. I, I do know firsthand uh, that they've done some really good work. And I think that dealers will will have some opportunities to to take advantage for their business from some yeah. of these trainings. And I would also encourage you, if you want a deeper look at the training to get kind of a, a access to what's behind our member wall, don't hesitate to, to hit that contact button on the site. And one of our membership people will reach out to you and give you a, a kind of a temporary password and ID so you can really poke and dig around in it. Uh, it, it, it's super easy to do. Um, you, you could set up a training manager. You could see what training your employees are taking. You could see how they're doing and you could really manage the whole process. You know, it's completely store driven. You decide uh, what you want them to take and what you want them to do. And you just get reports back on how they're doing. Terrific. Well, tell me uh, what does, uh, uh, let's wrap this up here because we are running a little sure. short on time. Uh, before we started uh, this, before I started the recording, you had mentioned that, that you were looking to use this opportunity to make an appeal, uh, particularly yeah. to paint dealers. Uh, what is it that, that paint dealers can, can do for you to help you help them in the future? Well, the biggest thing they can do, Mark, is to get involved. 
um, and they could let us know. And one of the ways we are seeking uh, input and guidance from paint retailers is in the next few weeks, we're going to be fielding a survey. Uh, where we are asking paint and decorating retailers specifically, this isn't going out to hardware retailers, this is paint and decorating retailers. We are asking you to give us your thoughts through this survey about what you need from us, about what your challenges are in business. And this is so important to us that we've hired a third party. We're not doing this. I, I mean, we're, we're not kind of doing the data collection and analysis ourselves because we want a really unvarnished view of what paint and decorating retailers want. So the biggest thing would be when you get the link to the survey, which will be going out in the next few weeks, respond to that survey. Look for other ways you can get involved. I, you know, we're, like I said, we're a not-for-profit. We got to generate income, so we're around. But what we need more than that is we need your input and your support. Look for ways to get involved. Mark, you know, as an independent business owner, sometimes you can feel like you're on an island having to make all the decisions yourself, yeah. the weight of your entire business on your shoulders. And while that's a blessing, it can also be a curse. Is It's a blessing because you get to guide the future and the direction of your operation, but it's a curse because sometimes you feel you're all alone. You're not alone. You have an association that has been around for 121 years to help you however we can. I have retailers that call and say, hey, I'm looking at POS systems. I'm looking at, could you point me to some other retailers that, that might know this? Or, or, or retailers that say, do you have any numbers about you know, how I should be doing? And that's when I can say, yeah, the cost of doing business study. So we are here, our sole purpose for existing is to help paint and decorating retailers and hardware retailers run their operations. So utilize us. And the first step could be when you get that link for the survey, or when you follow us on social media, uh, uh, or, or when you look at our website and you get the opportunity to click on that link or you see something in the magazine, please provide us that information because it's the first step to understanding how we can better serve you. What a really fabulous place to end it then and a really strong ending. So uh, Dan uh, Trottencheck from uh, the North American Hardware and Paint Association, thank you so much uh, for being on my episode today and really providing paint dealers uh, with some uh, dynamite information. I really appreciate your time. Well, Mark, thank you so much for the opportunity and thanks for what you're doing in the industry. I know you, you are, you know, if you have to look at the, the biggest advocates for independent retailers on the paint side, you are right up there. So keep doing thank what you. you're doing. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> All right. Thank you.